0: Chapter seven of Mildred and Elsie This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org Recording by Amy Mildred and Elsie by Martha Finlay Chapter seven A mighty pain to love it is, and 'tis a pain that pain to miss, but of all pains the greatest pain it is to love, but love in vain. Cowley Oh Wallace, forgive me not for worlds would I have hurt you so if if I could have helped it. Mildred's voice was full of tears, and she ended with a sigh that was half a sob. His head was turned away so that she could not catch so much as a glimpse of his face. It is just what I expected when you went away, he answered huskily. But I don't blame you. I've always known I wasn't half good enough for such a girl as you. No, don't say that, she cried almost eagerly. You are good enough for anybody, Wallace. You are noble and true and brave, and Father says that with your talent and industry, you are sure to make your mark in the world. What do I care for that now? He returned bitterly. You've been my inspiration, Mildred. It was for you, to win you and to make you rich and happy. that I've studied and toiled and planned, and now you are lost to me, he groaned. Oh, Wallace, she murmured softly. I had hoped yours was a higher ambition, that you had consecrated your time, talents, everything, to him who gave them, and whose love is beyond comparison than any or all earthly loves. You were right he said, after a moment's silence, and his voice was low and humble. It ought to be so. It shall be so, henceforward. But, oh, Mildred, Mildred, what happiness can there be in life without you? I will be your sister, Wallace. I have a real sisterly affection for you. I ought to be thankful for even that. I shall be some day. But, oh, Mildred, now it seems like giving me a crumb when I am starving, so famished that nothing less than a whole loaf will relieve the dreadful pain. And this other fellow that has won you away from me, will he will he be taking you away from us soon? No, Wallace, not soon, perhaps never, she answered in low, quivering tones. He turned and faced her with an inquiring look. I have misunderstood. I thought you said the, the affection was mutual. I will tell you all about it, she said after a moment's embarrassed silence. I think I owe you the confidence, as some slight amends for the pain I have unwillingly caused you. Then in a few words she told him just how matters stood between Charlie Landreth and herself, withholding only the name of her favorite suitor. When she had finished, silence fell between them for many minutes. Mildred's eyes were cast down, Wallace's gazing straight before him, or taking note of the inequalities of the road. They were nearing the town when at last he spoke again. I thank you for your confidence, dear Mildred. You will let me call you that this once? You know I shall never abuse it. I'm sorry for your sake that he's not all you could wish. but Don't let it make you unhappy. I couldn't bear that. And I hope and believe it will all come right in the end. Wallace, how good and noble you are, she cried, looking at him with eyes brimming with tears. We will always be friends, good, true friends, shall we not? She asked, almost beseechingly, holding out her hand to him. He caught it in his and pressed it to his lips with a low, passionate cry. Oh, Mildred! And can I never be more than that to you? An hour later, Mrs. Keith found her eldest daughter in her own room, crying bitterly. My dear child, what is the matter? She asked in concern. Oh, mother, mother, I seem to have been born to make others unhappy, sobbed Mildred. I've often thought you were born to be the great comfort and blessing of your mother's life, and have thanked God with my whole heart for this His good gift to me, the mother responded with a loving caress and a glad smile broke like sunlight through the rain of tears. Mother, what a blessed comforter you are, sighed Mildred, resting her wet cheek on her mother's shoulder. Mother, Wallace loves me and seems almost heartbroken because I I cannot return it. And he is such a dear noble fellow, too, worthy of a far better wife than I would make. We must try to convince him of that and make him glad of his fortunate escape, Mrs. Keith said in her playful tone. Mildred laughed in spite of herself but a little hysterically, then growing grave again. But, Mother, he really does seem heartbroken, and it is dreadful to me to have caused such suffering to one so deserving of happiness. I do not doubt it, my dear, and I feel for you both, but trouble does not spring from the ground. All our trials are sent us, for some good purpose, by that best and dearest of all friends, who knows just what each one of us needs and never makes a mistake. I am sorry for you both, but I do not think either is to blame and I believe you will come out of the trial better and happier Christians than you would ever have been without it. Now, dear child, I shall leave you, that you may be able to spend a few minutes with that best friend before joining us downstairs. Try to cast all your care on him, because he bids you do so, and because it is for your happiness. Mildred followed the kind, wise advice. Then, having done what she could to remove the traces of her tears, hastened to join the family at the tea table in answer to the bell. Her mother adroitly contrived to take the attention of the others from her, and no one noticed that she had been weeping. The faces in the chat were cheerful and bright, as was almost invariably the case in that family circle, and the joy of being among them again after so long an absence soon restored Mildred to her wonted serenity. They discussed their plans for study and work for the upcoming fall and winter months. The town was still destitute of a competent teacher. Efforts had been made to procure one from the eastern states, but as yet without success. Therefore, Mildred proposed to resume her duties as governess to her younger brothers and sisters. She could assist Rupert, too, in some branches, and wished to perfect herself in some, and to improve her mind by a course of reading. Then, as always, there was the family sewing, besides various housekeeping cares, of which she desired to relieve her mother. Zilla listened with a mirthful look to Mildred's long list, and at its conclusion asked with a merry laugh, "'Is that all, Milly?" Mildred echoed the laugh and blushingly acknowledged that it was very much easier to plan than to execute, and she feared she should fall very far short of accomplishing all she desired. "'Yes,' said her father, "'but it is best to aim high, for we are pretty sure never to do more than we lay out for ourselves, or even so much.' "'But if Millie undertakes all the work, father, what are Ada and I to do?' queried Zilla, in a sprightly tone. "'She'll be glad enough before long to let us help with it,' remarked Ada quietly. If she'd had breakfast and dinner to get today, she couldn't have walked out this morning. And I don't think she could have taken time to drive out this afternoon, if she'd been the only one to help Mother with the sewing. No, that is quite true, said Mildred, smiling at Ada's serious face, and I'm delighted to find what helpful girls you two have become, for there's abundance of work for us all. Enough to leave us no excuse for idleness, added the Mother, but not so much that any one of us need feel overburdened, for many hands make light work especially when the head manager knows how to bring system to her aid, concluded Mr. Keith, with an affectionate, appreciative glance at his wife. Yes, she rejoined brightly. Very little can be accomplished without that. But with it, I think we shall do nicely. The little ones were asking when lessons were to begin. Tomorrow, if Mother approves, answered Mildred. Her father smiled approval, remarking, Promptness is one of Mildred's virtues, one we may all cultivate with profit. I quite agree with you, Stuart, Mrs. Keith said. "'and yet it is sometimes best to make haste slowly. "'Mildred, my child, you have had a long, wearisome journey, "'and may lawfully rest for at least this one week.' "'And we all need our new clothes made up,' remarked Ada. "'Mother, have Millie make your black silk dress first. "'Mildred and Zilla chimed in at once. "'Oh, yes, certainly Mother's dress must be the very first thing to be attended to.' "'I can fit it tonight,' said Mildred, "'and I cut off the skirt and run the breasts together,' added Zilla. "'Come, come, you are entirely too fast.' laughed Mrs. Keith. I will not have any one of you trying her eyes with sewing on black at night. We will all work this evening on the calicoes begun today, and Milly shall fit a calico for me before she tries her hand on the silk. But we will give this week to sewing and reading. Cyril can read nicely now, and he and Rupert shall take turns reading aloud to us. Lessons shall begin next Monday. Aside from her desire to be as helpful as possible to her dear ones, Mildred felt that constant employment for head and hands was the best earthly antidote for her present griefs and anxieties. So she plunged into study and work and gave herself little time for thought about anything else. And her mother, understanding her motive, not only did not oppose, but encouraged her in that course. Some new books she had brought in her trunk proved a rare treat to the entire family and work, enlivened now by the reading of these, and now by cheerful chat, was decidedly enjoyable. There were many calls, too, from old friends and acquaintances, and so the week slipped away very quickly and pleasantly. Saturday's mail brought Mildred a letter from Charlie Landreth, which gave her both pain and pleasure. The ardent love to her that breathed in every line sent a thrill of joy to her heart, yet it bled for him in his deep grief for the loss of his sister, grief unassuaged by the consolations of God. Her prayers for him went up with increased fervor. Earnestly and fortunately she besought the Lord to comfort him in this great sorrow, and to make it the means of leading him to a saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. Then she sat down and answered his letter, with one that through all its maidenly modesty and reserve breathed a tender sympathy that was as balm to his wounds, a cordial to his fainting spirit, when at length it reached him. Mildred desired to have no secrets from her wise and dearly loved mother. Both Charlie's letter and her own were carried to her, and the latter submitted to her approval ere it went on its mission of consolation. This communication from him whose love found a response in her own heart did good service in banishing from her mind in great measure disturbing thought about the other two. For some weeks they absented themselves from the house, then gradually resumed their former intimacy with the family, Mildred meeting them when compelled by circumstance, without embarrassment, but avoiding a meeting when she could without seeming to do so purposefully. End of chapter 7 Recording by Amy